Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle, rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you can tune in today. We have a great guest with us. We have Eric C. Lindstrom, who is the author of a brand new book, hot off the presses. It's called The Smart Parent's Guide to Raising Vegan Kids, Lessons for the Littles in Plant-Based Eating and Compassionate Living. And I'm so thrilled to have you on the show, Eric. Welcome to Go Green Radio. Oh, thank you, Jill. It's great to be here. Well, I'd love to begin by having you share your story of how and when you became a vegan with our listeners, because that's it's a great story, and I, I'd love for you to yeah. tell that. Well, actually, the, the story of my own vegan journey became the subject of my first book, The Skeptical Vegan, that just came out about a year ago this month. And basically, I'm one of those people who went vegan overnight, 100% omnivore one day, woke <laughs> up the next day 100% vegan. And it started off with uh, a 30-day vegan challenge based loosely on Colleen Patrick Goudreau's book. And my wife came home and said, I'd like to go vegan for a month, the month of January. And for some reason that I'm still not aware of today, I decided to do it with her. So you're looking at someone who was an omnivore with strong carnivore leanings. And she was a vegetarian with celiac. So she was already living sort of on a limited or at least a restrictive diet and uh, only had to really give up cheese and eggs. Um, And so I decided to do it with her. And so the, the, the book, The Skeptical Vegan, talks about all of the struggles of, uh, from a you know, men's perspective, of going vegan overnight. Uh, and then after the 30th day, um, I, for again, some reason, decided to make it interesting. And on day 31, I posted it as a bet. And so I tell people now that nearly seven years later, this is still the bet I refuse to lose. Um, I'm uh, ethical vegan now, starting off from a more of a dietary perspective, um, and now making the connection um, and being the marketing director for uh, Compassion Over Killing. Um, all of those things have sort of unfolded over the past six plus years. That's incredible. And, you know, one of the things that's so great about your book, this, and, and I've read The Skeptical Vegan as well, but this new one about raising kids is all of the various components that go into a vegan diet. And you talk about the dietary component, the compassionate and ethical component. Mm-hmm. I'd love for you to talk to us about the core values behind a vegan diet, or at least your vegan diet, and how it differs from so many of the other fad diets that are out on the market today. Today. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, I think veganism and vegan diet right now is unfortunately getting labeled fad, and that happens sort of as a byproduct of celebrities also going vegan. I don't know if you know that, you know, 10 of the Avengers in the latest Avengers movie are all now saying they're on a plant-based diet. Um, and so it's fantastic. It's, it's much more popular than it ever was. There are more vegan options than there ever has been. It's much easier to go vegan now. Um, but really, the, the core value for me is, you know, making decisions three times a day. You know, most people eat three times a day uh, based on your ethics and based on the fact that you're saving animals, ultimately saving the planet and doing better for your health. And so when we as a family, you know, at the, at the time that, that my wife and I decided to go vegan, 
um, it was, again, a dietary decision. It was a way in which that I, as an older man, could take control of my diet. I lost a lot of weight. I started to feel great. My doctor's visits were excellent. And so then when we started having kids, uh, we have two now who are subject, you know, obviously the inspiration behind the book, um, we, of course, decided to raise them vegan. And so for us, um, again, it's sort of a spoiled attitude right now, but when people say, what do you eat? I say, we eat everything. I mean, we, we're, we're not starving. We're doing really well. Our <laughs> kids are super healthy. We're healthy. We eat everything as long as it's vegan. And so it sort of, you know, it simplifies, I think, the message about going vegan. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you're right. I mean, and we'll talk about this later in the show. I mean, there are a lot of options that are available that do make it far more convenient than it was yeah. even five years ago. But I in know, your own, I know. it's so true. And you know, in your own parenting experience, I know according to the book, you raised a child on the standard American diet, SAD, mm-hmm. which I think is the funniest acronym. I know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and and you also raised children as vegans from the get go. Uh, and yeah. I know I have my own three kids, and feeding kids can challenge any parent's patience, no matter what the situations are. But you know, what are some similarities and some differences that you experienced while you were raising? both uh, you know a non-vegan at one time in your life and then vegan children yeah yeah well I think um you know where I sit today having these two younger toddlers who are just voracious around fruits and vegetables and grains and foods that are um better for them ultimately uh I, I feel like we're doing them a favor we're giving them a head start we're actually um for lack of a better way to put it we're the smart parents right like we're the mm-hmm. ones who are are taking the time to make sure our kids are eating veggies. And meanwhile, um, you know, raising a kid on a standard American diet, um, it felt as though you were just sort of going with the flow. You were uh, feeding them as everyone else was feeding them. You were giving them foods that you didn't necessarily think were bad for them because they were on the kid's menu. You know, the the standards of, of a mac and cheese or a chicken finger or a chicken nugget or, you know, a little bowl of spaghetti with some meatballs, because it's on the kid's menu, you just kind of think, oh, that's, that's food for kids, when really um, it isn't. And that, and that we're, we're setting an example. That's the big difference right now is that you can lead by example. So if you're a parent of an older kid or if you're, you're deciding to raise your, your newly weaned newborn as vegan, um, set an example for them. Let them learn by your actions. So in other words, let them see you enjoying eating uh, you know, a bowl of, of vegetables. Enjoy eating these amazing sort of cashew cream sauces that we can make for, for our pastas. All of these things that are actually really ac- amazingly delicious. There's, there's nothing you can't eat now, vegan, that you used to eat as an omnivore. But when they see you eating these uh, foods that are good for you, they're going to start eating foods that are good for you. The, the two contributors to the book who sort of chime in from a health perspective is are uh, Dr. Neil Bernard from the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine and Dr. Tom Campbell, who's the uh, co-author of the China study and one of the sons of T. Colin Campbell. And uh, so they are, they're the ones who really get to get in there and talk about, hey, it is healthy. Everything you've been hearing is a myth. You can raise kids on a vegan diet. And I'll never forget when I was first, I know Tom uh, uh, fairly well. He lives here in, in upstate New York. And, uh, and I remember him saying that, you know, by setting an example, you're also setting out a bowl of fresh fruits, that that's what's available to your family. That's what's available to your kids. So as they're leaving the house, 
they'll grab an apple or a clementine orange or cut up vegetables that are ready to, you know, bite-sized and ready to go. If all of that's really accessible to them, that's what they're going to actually start eating. And that's what really they're going to start enjoying too. Well, and I love the the little story. I have to say to our listeners, this book is hysterical. Eric, you have a great <laughs> sense of humor. And so, you know, it, it is in, in no way preachy or, you know, ominous. It's it's fraught with funny stories and examples and tongue-in-cheek, you know, uh, references yeah. to your experience. And I loved it. And there was, at one point, you write about an encounter with Xander's mom who could not <laughs> yeah. imagine. One of the many Xanders. Yeah, <laughs> Xander won, um, and she just couldn't imagine how how she would get her yeah. child to eat veggies. And so, for our listeners who may share those concerns, like, oh my gosh, if I put broccoli in front of my kid, you know, pandemonium's going to break know. out. <laughs> Talk to us about how you and other vegan parents have dealt with that issue. Yeah, it's really incredible. Again, I again, I, I feel blessed because our kids. Um, have been raised this way, right? So since birth, Mm -hmm. they have been taught that, you know, veggies are good for you and delicious. And they will eat every vegetable. And they will, I'm I'm sure also in the book, you remember the part where I mentioned uh, Jamie Oliver asking that group of students in a classroom to just name a vegetable. And they couldn't. And so there's a lot of kids out there who are just not being made, you know, giving these foods on a, on a regular basis. They're not made available to them. And so for us, when we see, you know, uh, our, our boy is five years old, and when, when we're at a, a party or an event and he scans the table and he'll point at things and say, is this vegan, is this vegan, is this vegan, is this vegan, and they're cupcakes and they're pizzas and they're all these things that, that he shouldn't be eating anyway, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. But that he'll pass them all up and get to the bowl of apples and I'll say, well, you know, that's vegan, and he'll grab an apple and run away, a very happy kid. So we are lucky. So... I knew this as I was writing the book, so I wanted to make sure I got contributions from people who have older kids because the mm-hmm. challenges change, right? So there's a lot of parents in here who have teens and tweens and on up to sending them off to college and university where they also talk about their experience and they talk about ways in which they've integrated fruits and vegetables into the household. And, and a little trick, I mean, again, aside from cutting up vegetables, making sure they're super chewable and handheld, is to get something like uh, a vegan ranch dressing or some other vegan dip that there's, again, plenty of it these days, and put that in a little side bowl. And I guarantee, again, I'm, I'm spoiled, our kids do this, but you can actually set these vegetables, they're colorful, they're beautiful, these are the things that kids want to eat, and if they can dip them in something, they're going to go for it. And it, mm-hmm. it just makes it that much more enjoyable for them. Well, and I also found it refreshing. Just, you know, my parent or my parenting style came from my military background a little bit. My husband and I were both mm-hmm. military officers and we were young when we had kids. And so, you know, we were just a little bit old school, I guess. I mean, it was like, yeah. I am not a short order cook. What I put on the table is what you're going yeah. to eat. And yeah, yeah. you have two choices, eat it or don't. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> that's how I, I was know, raised too, yeah. And it's kind of like, you know, that's how some of the vegan parents, you know, and, and sometimes people think, I think we get the misperception that, you know, people who are, you know, choosing some of these alternative lifestyles, and I say alternative only because it's alternative to the mainstream, not that it's anything. Yeah. You know, it, We're it, still a minority, you know, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But that they're softer or more indulgent of their kids, um, and not necessarily. <laughs> Your book, yeah, you know, know really shows that it's like, look, 
look, this is who we are. This is what we do. We eat according to our values. And here's your choices, kiddos. And I bet if you get hungry enough, you're going to eat it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. We'll figure out a way that you'll enjoy this. We're not trying to, like, deprive them or or force them to eat something awful. We'll make it tasty for you. If I have to cook the broccoli, uh, steam it with some earth balance or some butter, which is kind of how I was raised with eating spinach and and broccoli dishes, you know, with a cheese sauce or a butter sauce or whatever. By all means, we'll do that. We'll start there. We'll get you to eat these vegetables because we'll make them more savory, more approachable, more delicious to you. You know, and again, to your point, Jill, you know, it's in the book a couple of times where until your kids are old enough to have a job and can get to the market... (laughs) and pay for the food, they're kind of at your, your mercy, right? You have exactly. to have this because this is what I'm putting in front of you. Exactly. Well, we've got to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we have so much more with Eric and his new book, The Smart Parent's Guide to Raising Vegan Kids. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves. However, we'll also discuss what's going on closer to home. And most importantly, we'll let you know what can be done in our own backyards by featuring guest experts and featuring your questions and answers. Listen every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. So glad that you could all join us. And if you're just tuning in, let me catch you up. Our guest today is Eric C. Lindstrom. He's got a brand new book out on the market called The Smart Parent's Guide to Raising Vegan Kids. You know, Eric, a lot of us have been raised to believe that there are certain vitamins and minerals that we can only get through animal products and that we are going to suffer some kind of calcium or protein deficiencies without 
these items in our diet. So talk to us about how to ensure our children can get the nutrition they need through a vegan diet. Yeah, I um, again, as I said in the earlier uh, segment on the show, um, by having Dr. Neil Bernard and Dr. Tom Campbell sort of chime in um, as well-known plant-based doctors, I knew I wouldn't be the one sort of going out on a limb or on an alert for the health of uh, millions of children out there. Um, but knowing what we're doing in our own household um, to ensure that our kids are, are getting a balanced and healthy diet, again, in terms of a balanced plate, we're talking about, you know, a protein source, which, of course, there's protein in plants. Um, mm-hmm. We're talking about a grain, which in our case could be a brown rice pasta or some rice. And then we're talking about veggies, and then we're talking about dessert, you know, some kind of ice cream or whatever. So, you know, the whole meal itself is is a combination of all of the nutrients, all of the uh, uh, protein, all of what they need to, um, to grow, to, to prosper, to thrive. Um, and then meanwhile, we do supplement with, with B12 because that's something that, as I think you know, Dr. Greger from nutritionfacts.org does stress that uh, we, we should make sure we are getting a source of B12, which you can get in foods, you can get in like nutritional yeast and things like that. But we give our kids, um, you know, uh, B12 and then a supplement, just a, a chewable vegan uh, daily that they get the rest of their um, vitamins from. So they're, um, again, their diet uh, is, is healthier than the diet of sort of their, their omnivore counterparts or their peers mm-hmm. um, because the majority of the, the energy and the majority of the, the nutrients they're getting are directly from uh, plants, which is the best source of, of all of uh, the nutrients and, and vitamins that we need. Mm-hmm. Now, if parents want to raise their kids vegan, um, should they, I know that you have mentioned some physicians that are thoroughly on board, but should parents mm-hmm. expect any skepticism from their pediatrician? Does the medical community embrace veganism for all ages? Yeah, they, they really don't, do they? Um, <laughs> I, I know Not that in my experience, the, yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, it comes up often that I live in a in a very sort of vegan friendly community in Ithaca, New York. Um, so our doctor is more surrounded by and gets more inquiries or more children who are being raised on a plant based diet. So that they're more used to the questions they're supposed to ask or the ways in which they want to be sensitive and uh, you know accepting of our lifestyle as well as the diet that we're feeding our kids. Um, meanwhile, pediatricians are actually taught in medical school to recommend dairy as that next step after weaning. And this is something that they've been doing, you know, for decades, mm-hmm. for 100 years or so, that, that once your, your child's off breast or off formula, transition them to whole milk, you know, like try, try to mm-hmm. force their body into accepting something that they're not supposed to be drinking. This is what pediatricians are taught. And then meanwhile, the questionnaires that every uh, parent is read you know, from the computer with, with, you know, with the annual checkups for their little ones, uh, all the questions are like, you know, how much uh, meat is your child eating? Is your child eating lean meat or whatever? There's different ways that they can sort of define what, again, is considered the standard American diet and sort of, you know, tiptoe around the fact that um, maybe some of these things aren't that healthy, right? Like when we're right. sitting down with, with our, our friends and their kids and they come back from the buffet with, with I'm literally this to me sounds absolutely 
uh, awful, but I've seen it where there's an entire plate of bacon and they put it in front of the five-year-old kid and they say, oh my gosh, he loves bacon. I'm so happy there's bacon here. They're like, oh my God, my kid's eating bacon. And that'd be like putting a pack of cigarettes in front of the kid <laughs> and sticking them in his mouth and saying, here, light up. It's really, really bad for you. So I think more and more as the, as the vegan and plant-based and whole foods plant-based community and diet becomes more popular, I think more pediatricians are going to realize that this is not a trend. It's not a fad. It's actually the healthier way to eat. And so it depends on your pediatrician. I mean, I, I see a lot of uh, uh, very frustrated vegan parents uh, frustrated at their doctor saying, they're insisting I give so-and-so whole milk. They're saying, my child won't get fat without the whole milk, or my child won't be healthy without the, the calcium that they can get in this milk. And that's just not the case. All of it is, is just a myth, and it's something that's been handed down from generation to generation and carries over into medical school. Mm-hmm. So true. And, and we've actually talked to pediatricians on Go Green Radio before who've, who've confided to us that nutrition and and dietary classes are almost minuscule in their curriculum. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's another issue, and this can be a little bit alienating for vegan parents raising vegan kids who maybe are the first generation in their family to do this, but there are so many Mm -hmm. holidays that revolve around a piece of meat in the center of the table. Talk to us about some strategies to veganize the holidays. Well, let me tell you... um, my own personal story because it always doesn't go over well, but I do want to let people that know that this is, this is a possibility for them. Um, we, you know, for, of course, years for my entire life, Thanksgiving, in fact, has always been my favorite holiday for all of the reasons that the holiday itself exists today. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get up, you, you put the turkey in the oven, you start basting the turkey all day, you're building up every other side and food, and you're you know, watching the game or whatever, but it's just, you know, it's the big family tradition. Well, mm-hmm. once we went vegan, and once we became a vegan family, we realized that we couldn't take part in what would be considered a traditional Thanksgiving. Once you've sort of crossed that threshold, once you've made that connection, and you're, you're vegan for the animals, you're ethical vegan, you simply can't sit there and celebrate around what's a, you know a, a corpse, a dead animal in the middle of the table. It's just such a foreign concept. So we actually had to create our own Thanksgiving and create our own you know what, what vegans will refer to as Thanksgiving, and we'll, we'll celebrate on the same day because we have the day off. I still love gravy. Uh, in fact, I think there's some gravy in my DNA if I had it tested. Um, it's, you know, these are all my favorite foods still. But now we're sitting around you know, what would be considered a celebration roast. They're readily available uh, you know, at, that, at that time of the year by you know, companies like Tofurky and Gardein. But you can also make an amazing celebration roast out of, out of uh, tofu or tempeh, and it's got the stuffing in it. And once this thing has been cooked for you know, an hour and it's, it's crisping up and it's getting a little bit burned and you make a gravy. Uh, uh, my first book has a gravy recipe in it, but obviously you could just Google vegan gravy recipe and you can understand that you can make this savory, delicious, creamy and thick gravy any time of the day, any day of the week and just pour it on something that becomes Thanksgiving. And so they're not, children especially are not going to miss out on anything. They're hopefully not going to say, where's the turkey? Maybe some older kids might, but but ours wouldn't, obviously. So we're sitting around now. We've created our own annual event where we and as many as 20 other vegans all congregate, all meet in someone's house or some 
event room or whatever, and it's a dish to pass, and it's absolutely incredible. You still you still leave feeling like you've eaten way too much, and I guess that's the <laughs> ultimate point, right? You just want to exactly. take a nap, but. But yeah, it is a matter of, of changing, uh, changing things, uh, changing holidays, changing um, traditions to, uh, to fit the, you know, your new lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And you include a whole chapter on birthday parties. And that's a huge issue for parents because I know having three kids of my own, there was a time when we literally attended birthday parties every single weekend for months. Ooh, on a weekend. End. I mean, yeah, birthday season <laughs> never stopped. And so exactly. talk to us about how, how parents can ensure that their vegan kids can be included and have a great time, even if the hosts don't have vegan options. Yeah. Well, uh, again, a theme that sort of threw the book as needed is my two-word response to that, which also happens to be the Boy Scout motto, is to be prepared. (laughs) Um, When you do anything, when you travel as a vegan, when you go to a party as a vegan, when you go to even someone's house for dinner as a vegan, with you know, if you're if you have your kids with you, is to always be prepared. And so, um, we've actually had two birthdays. on the same day, you know, it's sort of that much of a back-to-back happening where we are right now with the the kids being the age they are, they Mm -hmm. get all the entire class gets invited. And so we will always inevitably make sure, even if we've talked to the parents and the parents understand that we're vegan, some of which are very accommodating, which of course we love, we'll still be prepared. Um, We'll come with our own two vegan cupcakes because that's all they need, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we'll come sometimes with a vegan pizza because pizza seems to be the the uh, predominantly popular uh, food that's given out at uh, birthday parties, and so we'll have we'll have our own sort of like unit. We'll travel as a as a vegan unit, and it turns out actually, uh, in in more than one case, we've found out that the kids who are lactose intolerant suddenly realize they can eat our pizza. You know, so it's kind of benefiting ah. everyone. But it is a matter of just being prepared, um, hoping you don't run out, you know, hoping that you have just enough so that the kids, while they're all sitting and eating, and when the cake is cut, you give them their cupcakes. Um, they're, you know, again, we've been lucky so far. It's worked out really well. Um, and it's just a matter of, of coming to these events uh, with your own vegan uh, options. Absolutely. Now, in your view, Eric, is it okay to allow vegan kids to cheat on their vegan diet for special occasions? What are your thoughts yeah. on that? <laughs> well, uh, my wife and I differ, um, but I always have to kind of go with her for a lot of reasons. Um, <laughs> not the least of which she's my wife. Exactly. Um, so I would, I would push a little bit harder. I would ask them uh, over and over, are you sure you want to eat this, you realize this isn't vegan, you know, again, trying to be a little bit of a, of a daddy activist in these settings. And then meanwhile, not really wanting to strip them of fun. Um, so as it is now, um, the number of parties we've gone to, maybe a couple of times it's happened where we've either run out of our own food or they've seen something that their friend is eating. Um, and it's for the most part dairy, uh, maybe egg, that's an ingredient in something. It's not like I've, I've yet to see either of our kids thankfully cheat with like a big slice of party pizza because that mm-hmm. to me again right now grosses me out, the big sort of greasy, slimy mozzarella mm-hmm. that's on those. But, um, you know, if, if, uh, if they have two bites of a, of a piece of cake, um, 
we could let it slide. You know, we don't want to ruin their time. We don't want to uh, make mm-hmm. them the outcast. We don't want them to be upset. But again, I, I'm going to dig my heels in right now on this call to just say um, I'm I'm trying really hard to not let them do it. They'll also get an upset stomach. I mean, you get to a point where yeah. you don't have dairy your whole life or you don't have dairy forever and all of a sudden you consume it. Uh, it's not going to, it may not go well. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, we... I, I, I'll go on record by saying I don't let them cheat. But okay. if I've walked out of the room and they've had a little bite of frosting. <laughs> if you turn your head for a minute. <laughs> exactly right. If I don't know about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, a little freedom of choice is, you know, part of the growing up process as yeah. well. But we're going to take yep. a quick commercial break. But when we come back, we have so much more to talk about. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. So glad that you're with us today. I want to give a special shout out to some of my summer interns who are vegans. I want to say hey to Lauren and Paulina and Sammy. Your example, while we were in the office, there were 10 interns in my office uh, this summer. And your example of kindness and compassion and uh, just very 
kindly sharing your story about why you're vegan was awesome. And I want to thank you guys for your example. Um, our yeah. guest today is just blowing my mind, Eric Lindstrom and his new book, The Smart Parent's Guide to Raising Vegan Kids. I am loving this conversation, Eric, and I'm so glad that we have you on the show to share your insights you. and your experience. It's cool. Now, one of the big topics for parents, uh, you know, across the eating spectrum, it's, you know, has been vaccinations. We've really had a lot of tumult around this issue in the past decade, Mm -hmm. especially. And we know that vaccinations are not vegan. But I'd love for you to talk about your advice to vegan parents on whether to vaccinate their kids. Well, this could be where a lot of listeners drop off, by the way. No, <laughs> so let's stay open-minded. I think we, we should all be open-minded. <laughs> if you're vegan and listening and you drop off, first of all, I want to thank you for being vegan. And I want to thank your high school interns for being vegan. That's what I always say when I'm doing talks around the country is the first thing I'll say, you know, who in this room is vegan? And the, rate, the hands are put up and I'm like, thank you. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, who in this room is vegetarian? And the hands will go up and I'll be like, thank you. You're actually making a difference and you're almost there. Mm-hmm. And then I'll say, who's omnivore? And then someone will raise their hand and I'll say, you just want a book. My <laughs> popular, <laughs> I'll give them a copy of my book because they're the ones that need it. So um, we, we vaccinated and will vaccinate and support vaccination. Um, you know, for all of the arguments that... Um, that people do vaccinate their children, their herd immunity, et cetera. Um, we think it's the right thing to do. We think we're protecting our children. We were vaccinated um, growing up, and so we're you know, passing that down to our children. Um, you know, the number of possible uh, adverse side effects to vaccination versus the benefits of vaccinating, I think, uh, are imbalanced. I think that the, the greater number of, of healthy kids are vaccinated when our second baby was born. Um, we found out that we couldn't attend certain events um, because of some children who weren't vaccinated, um, who, you know, who were being raised by parents who were deciding not to vaccinate. So we couldn't bring um, our little one around until uh, she was able to be vaccinated. And so, you know, it, it's again, it, I'd say it's a personal choice because, of course, it is. Um, I would say if anyone's listening and they're wondering which way to go, um, I would say go the direction of vaccination. Um, and again, as you said in the lead-in, this, isn't, this is a pretty hot topic and uh, something that each person just needs to uh, reflect on and do the research on and then ultimately make their own decision. Agreed. Agreed. But I think it's, I think it's really helpful to hear from parents who are vegetarian, vegan, you know, all these uh, really good choices, you know, coming out with their own opinion. And it's just one person's perspective. But I think it's helpful to add to the conversation and some collective wisdom. Yeah, it's one thing about, um, you know, avoiding them because they're not vegan, because in that regard, they wouldn't give their kid any medication ever uh, for a headache, for a fever. Uh, every single over-the-counter and prescription drug has been tested on animals, unfortunately. So if you're making one choice for the betterment of your child, um, why not make a series of choices that will ultimately end up protecting them? Right. Now, raising a child vegan from birth is one thing, and that's you know part of your experience. But 
There are probably a lot of parents, and we talked a little bit about this earlier, but I want to dive deeper into converting a child who's currently on the standard American Mm -hmm. diet to veganism. When you talk to parents who have done that, what were some strategies that parents uh, told you about that that might be able to help parents convert older children and transition to a vegan diet? Yeah, I would say that um, a lot of the same strategies that we use um, with Compassion Over Killing, um, the animal rights group that I work for, uh, a lot of the strategies that we use to encourage younger people to try veganism as far as building a community, um, you know, capacity building and service provision and social change, all of these things that um, we will talk to older students, you know, high school and college age, and by providing them resources like um, you know, tryveg.com that has recipes on it. So if there's ways that you can sort of include them in, uh, in the transition, include them in their choices, uh, bring them to uh, events, uh, that's a, a really big thing. Again, going to like a veg fest, a local veg fest. We were talking about the one in Asheville recently. Uh, mm-hmm. The D.C. Veg Fest is happening uh, in September in Washington, D.C., which has like 20,000 people. I'm actually doing a cartooning class, which is going to be really fun. So that's a, that's a perfect example of, you know, here, come to the, the D.C. Veg Fest, watch Eric Lindstrom teach kids how to draw cartoons, and ask all of these questions about, all right, so we're vegan, we want our kid to be vegan, or we're, we're just starting veganism, how do we do this? So it really is a matter of uh, finding these resources, finding groups that offer, uh, you know, booklets or, or brochures or videos, you know, and films and, and websites. It's finding ways in which that you can um, encourage them and, and support them and let them know that they're actually going to end up being the cool kid. That's mm-hmm. what we discovered. Uh, mm-hmm. That's what I discovered in talking to some of these parents who have older kids. At one point in time, it would have been, you know, Jimmy is the the weird vegan, and now Jimmy's the cool <laughs> vegan, right? Like you're the cool kid because you're 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 different, and and you don't eat animals. You know, it's like this really. It's going to become a very very cool thing. Uh, it's just going to take some right. time, and it and really getting involved. I think getting involved in things like veg fests and meetups and all of these other areas where you can meet other vegan parents and connect kids to kids would be a definite plus. That's a great idea. You know, I think that this whole idea of trying to be more humane uh, to animals is is catching on even outside of the Mm -hmm. vegan community. And people are really trying um, and maybe even hanging on to their their animal products by looking at labels like uh, cage-free or grass-fed. But, you know, some of those labels can be deceptive. Talk to us about, you know, people who are trying to consume only, quote-unquote, humane animal products and what they need to know about those labels. Yeah, Yeah, I mentioned it, I think, in my first book about a friend who was visiting who knew we were vegan. And, And people who are trying to be sort of supportive of, of our diet, of our lifestyle, we'll start throwing out those words like, well, I only eat humanely slaughtered, which is obviously an oxymoron, or, you know, cage-free, all of these, like, marketing terms that lead uh, individuals to uh, believe that their choices somehow make a difference to the animal. Um, they may make a difference to their health. I don't know. I'm not doing the research on that. But I know that, you know, any bite of any animal takes an entire animal. Like you have to kill an entire animal to take one bite of steak. So Mm -hmm. however it was raised, however it was 
brought up. These are just these are just ways to help people deal with their own guilt. They're not actually making a difference ultimately for the animals that are being killed. And that's, again, when you're talking about humanely raised or, or grass-fed or, or free-range and all of these other sort of terms that, that are attached to foods now, um, there's also an entire uh, mindset or there's a, the whole fishing industry, you know, when people say, oh, I'm pescatarian, um, mm-hmm. like that's making some sort of a difference. The, you know, the oceans are at risk and, and, and marine life is at risk and the, the um, animals, you know, the fish and mammals, the, you know, marine mammals that are killed for, you know, regular uh, offshore fishing are just in the, in the millions. The death toll is, is astronomical. And so whether you're saying, oh, I only eat, you know, uh, farm-raised or however you want to term it, um, you're, still, you're still killing, unnecessarily killing sentient beings uh, to convert them into food that you really don't need. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yep. Interesting. Interesting to think about. I mean, it really is. It makes you stop in your tracks and really think about and be more mindful of uh, yeah. of your choices. You know, for parents, um, school nutrition is uh, is a big issue. Um, and we could spend a full episode just talking about how we need to make improvements in school nutrition. But let's talk about how parents of vegan kids can help ensure that their children have adequate choices in the school nutrition program. What advice do you have? Yeah, well, you know, I can recommend a future guest on your show, Amy Hamlin, uh, who's a personal friend of mine. She happens to live here in Ithaca. She's also the executive director of the Coalition for Healthy School Food, and her group is making incredible strides nationwide to introduce plant-based options in schools, uh, some of the some of which are, you know, going 100% vegan now. I know they've provided like. I think the entire state of California with plant-based recipes to introduce those into the school foods. Um, there's all of these um, groups that are, you know, lobbyists, for lack of a better word, to ensure that um, the, <laughs> the cafeterias are no longer serving up what, you know, I was raised on with those steamed burgers and those really mm-hmm. floppy, soggy pieces of pizza. Um, you can make amazing, incredible, and delicious uh, plant-based options, you know, things like on, on a meatless Monday to come into a, a school and, and serve tacos and enchilados and burritos and all of these delicious uh, uh, foods that can be 100% plant-based. So, you know, in our own experience, because uh, our older kid is just going to start kindergarten, so just going to be entering the, the uh, public school systems, um, you know, with our own experience, we had to deal with it with the daycare where we wanted to uh, ensure that our kids had, you know, equal snacks to all the omnivore uh, kids mm-hmm. who uh, were getting fed milk and other non-vegan foods. And so we wrote a letter to the corporate headquarters and had them uh, change that. And so all of a sudden, this cart that was just being pushed with, with dairy and non-vegan foods is now being pushed with, you know, soy milks and rice milks and other things that, again, the lactose intolerant kids love. So, you know, I would say, you know, whatever you can do to get involved, whatever you can do to support groups like Amy's group, whatever you can do to uh, get on a PTA or PTO and just become involved and say, we need change. We need these foods available. Um, It'll happen. And again, it doesn't have to happen because we don't want dead animals on our plate. It can more happen that 
We want healthy foods for our kids. <laughs> exactly. There's the, the positive pressure is, is always best. Yeah. And, and this is something we talk about a lot is for parents to get involved um, and to be involved to the extent that they possibly can. All kids will benefit when parents um, get involved in this way. We've yeah. got to take a quick yeah. commercial break, but when we come back, we've got so much more. So don't go away, folks. Great. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information, about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. All around the outermost rim of the shield, he set the mighty stream of the river Oceanus, creating Achilles' shield in Homer's The Iliad, Book 18. Rachel Carson in The Sea Around Us said, All at last, return to the sea, to Oceanus, the ocean river, like the ever-flowing stream of time, the beginning and the end. Moyer's Environmental Dialogues with Dr. Rob Moyer offers lively dialogue and revealing narrative inquiry into how individuals are overcoming obstacles and creating a greener and blue planet Earth. Tune in Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. If you're just joining us, let me catch you up real quick. Our guest today is Eric C. Lindstrom, author of a brand new book called The Smart Parent's Guide to Raising Vegan Kids. And it's been a blast having Eric on the show. We've got uh, one more segment. I wish we had 10 more segments because it's so much fun talking with you. But I thought it was really interesting um, in the book when you wrote about some of the issues that vegan parents have with um, field trips and classroom science experiments mm-hmm. That involve animals, and I'd love for you to share some of those stories with our listeners. Yeah, Jill, that's like a really important part of the book for me because I wanted to make sure there are books out there. Dr. Joel Kahn, who actually has a blurb on the back cover, of course, has written one. There are books out there about the health benefits of a plant-based diet and the health benefits of a plant-based diet at all stages of human life, like from from birth to our untimely deaths. Um, But this book also needed to talk about the environment and also needed to talk about animal rights. And so a lot of what you're talking about in the sort of the school field trip, the Harambe story that's in there about the the gorilla that was shot. um, I wanted to make sure that there was a transition in the thinking through the book to go from diet 
you know, again, through environment and into animal rights to say these decisions that we're making as vegans are ultimately for the animals, to save animals. Um, you, can, you can parlay that in any way, shape, or form to a diet or to the environment to say we're, we're helping human health and we're helping the planet. But really, you know, our goal and my goal every day what, from what I do professionally is to save animals, is to make people go vegan. And so when it came time in that chapter to be able to write about uh, the, the example that Cindy Ford, uh, she's a parent of two uh, kids in Columbus, Ohio, where she took on the PTA and she took on the school district about um, hatch, you know, hatchings in the classroom, chick hatchings. And so, again, this is something that, oh, it feels so Americana to come into a classroom and put these eggs into an incubator and then watch them grow without ever once thinking about where those eggs came from, how they got there, and then what's going to happen to the chicken's after they're hatched, right? Like they're, they're not, mm-hmm. very few of them are going to grow up to be happy chickens with a happy family and, and retire in Florida. They're, <laughs> they're going to end up dead. And this is like something that people aren't really making the connection for. And so things like science experiments, things like hatchings in the, in the classroom, um, you know, another contributor to the book was Keith Allison, who was a teacher who uh, ultimately ended up losing his job. Uh, because he shared information on social media about veal farms that he, you know, rode his bike past some some veal crates and put it on social media, and the school district thought that was too much, so they let him go. So it's education. You know, we've got to, as as much as we can, take smaller steps, take little steps, make an impact so that people are aware of what's happening, because the more people that are aware of it, the more chances there are of making change. Absolutely. And I think that just over the last few years, there have been so many documentaries and books um, that have made it impossible for people to forget, you know, exactly what the impact and the suffering is, you know, uh, of certain very simple choices we make. Um, And I think, you know, I I was surprised to learn. And again, this goes back to you know, making a, a hard change in your life or, you know, making veganism something that seems so ominous, so difficult to change my whole <laughs> lifestyle. But there are actually a lot of really mainstream items in the grocery store that are oh, vegan. Yeah. And so yeah. for the benefit of our listeners who may not be vegan, partly because they think, oh, I don't want to spend five hours in the kitchen every day making every meal from scratch. Talk to us about some of the choices we have um, in our favorite aisles of the grocery store. Yeah, well, a couple of things on that. One of which is, of course, people call me when they're having vegans over for dinner in a panic. <laughs> like, what am I going to make? And I would say my answer every time is, well, what would you make if they weren't vegan? And they'd say lasagna. And I'd say, make them lasagna. Like anything you could have made before, you can still make. You just use vegan ingredients. Mm-hmm. And the idea that there's so many readily available, delicious vegan options out there, again, whether or not you're looking at it from a whole foods plant-based perspective, or if you're willing to eat some processed foods like the vegan cheeses and some of the, the vegan meat alternatives that are out there now, which are all, again, almost identical to their animal counterpart. Um, so there, there's so many, we did this exercise at work the other day where someone said, well, the, one of the oppositions would be being vegan is so hard. Where do I get the food? And we would say things like, well, how about Target? and Aldi's and Trader Joe's and Whole Foods. It's everywhere. Um, you just have to look for it. You know, so you start reading labels and luckily milk and eggs are two of the, you know, allergens. So that's always included on the list of ingredients. And if it's animals, you don't eat it. So I think that people will be surprised, first of all, how everything they've eaten before can be made vegan and that 
uh, they can find whatever they want to make uh, at, a, at most grocery stores. Absolutely. Your book, uh, well, it's fabulous from cover to cover, but towards the end, you have some amazing resources. You include movies, books, even road trips for vegan families to partake in or people that are, you know, vegan curious, let's say. Mm -hmm. Um, Talk to us about some of your favorites. Yeah, well, when you mentioned documentaries a minute ago, it made me remember the, the two that started me off. And so if there are parents who are listening who need that little nudge toward veganism, watching things like Forks Over Knives, uh, for me it was Fat Sick and Nearly Dead and featured Joe the Juicer um, mm-hmm. because he was a guy sort of my age who turned his life around uh, by going vegan. So there are so many uh, eye-opening documentaries out there um, that depending on the age of your kid, uh, you could obviously set them down and they might show interest in something like What the Health or Blackfish, which is another great example of a sort of an animal rights, um, you know, that orcas shouldn't be kept in the bathtubs, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also movies that have vegan messages um, where, you know, you, subtly you can watch something like Pete's Dragon, which is a really cute movie, uh, and realize uh, that, you know, there, there's this undertone the entire time of saving this, this animal. Or, uh, Okja, which was a huge hit on, on Netflix, is a great movie, uh, not for kids. Uh, it does have some, you know, pretty strong language in it, but it's very entertaining. So there's a lot of movies out there that I think have vegan messages that kids can really enjoy and learn something from. And then, meanwhile, as you said, other resources like uh, I mentioned, TryVeg.com is one of them. There's many, many places on the internet where you can download resources. You can sign up for emails. You can get involved in, in as I said, meetups or or veg fests. There's ways in which that you can go online, do a quick search, and find these things that are going to help you, help you and your family, uh, shop, cook, you know, entertain, all of the things that we're talking about. Um, all of that available information is, is online uh, in one shape or a form. Mm-hmm. And I love the idea of, you know, maybe instead of a family trip to the zoo, going to a sanctuary. Uh, yeah. And, and, and talk to us a little bit about that whole notion, because that's also kind of woven into the the field trip issue for parents where yeah. do I send my kid to the zoo or what? It's a, it's a big thing, too. I mean, again, um, you know, our kids will see uh, a video, perhaps, because we don't take them to zoos. They'll see a video of a lion, you know, sort of pounding up against the glass and everybody on the other side of the glass laughing hysterically because the lion's just entertaining them, not realizing the lion wants to get out and mm-hmm. most likely wants to eat them. You know, that, yep. that taking children to these, these zoos and aquariums just isn't really teaching them anything other than, uh, you know, how sad these situations are. Meanwhile, sanctuaries, uh, you know, obviously in the Northeast or in, in uh, the United States, you'd be mostly going to farm sanctuaries, but, then, you know, you'd be able to see animals that have been rescued, animals that have been saved, animals that are living their life out uh, to the extent of their life. They're not being killed, you know, at four months for bacon or whatever. So taking them to farm sanctuaries is just a wonderful way for them to learn about animals, to learn about, uh, you know, ethical veganism, to learn about uh, just being compassionate individuals, and they will fall in love with these animals. I mean, one of the things that people say in the sanctuary field is, you'd be surprised how quickly you fall in love with a turkey. Uh, they like being <laughs> cuddled. They like being pet. They actually purr. I don't know how many people know that turkeys purr. So there's things that you know that people are unaware of because they just haven't taken the chance to explore and get to know it. 
I love that. And and I think that is just such sage advice. And I'm hoping that our listeners really take some time to think about uh, maybe visiting one of these places, getting involved, but definitely pick up Eric's book, The Smart Parent's Guide to Raising Vegan Kids. If you're not parenting, you can pick up his book, The Skeptical Vegan. Thank you so much, Eric, for being on our show. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Go Green Radio will be here same time, same place next week. So until then, have a wonderful week and do something in your life to go green. Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week.